0: Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. Hey, a quick reminder, if you haven't signed up yet for Bulwark Plus, uh, please consider doing it. Uh, you have an opportunity to listen into to our Thursday night live streams. Also, the whole suite of newsletters and podcasts that we have, the Next Level Podcast, the Secret Podcast, uh, my newsletter, Morning Shots, uh, JVL's newsletter, uh, The Triad. And, of course, we also have podcasts by Mona Charin, um, by Sonny Bunch. Uh and of course this podcast which which will remain which will remain free and so speaking of Mona's uh, free too. Absolutely. I was just going to yeah. say and, <laughs> and speaking of and speaking of Mona's yeah. podcast uh by the way congratulations it was really interesting listening to George Will sit down with you guys uh and uh, and and talk uh, the Thanks. Uh, the the podcast begged to differ. Please 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 check it out.
1: Oh so, it's great to have George.
0: Um, so Mona I I'm 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 having one of these days where a few weeks ago, I I had a moment of irrational exuberance. And and I was writing about springtime and how it's possible the springtime is going to be amazing. All of these things, the economy is going to roar back. We're going to come out of our caves because we will have beaten the pandemic. And I wake up today and I'm thinking, are we really going to screw this up? We're in this... Mad race against recklessness. You have the head of the CDC giving this tear. Did you hear her yesterday giving yep. this t- tearful? I have this sense of impending doom. Yeah. Okay, Willie, impending. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be springtime. Yeah. Impending doom. And so, you know, it's this question of we are so close, and yet there is this massive rush to crazy. Which seems to be like the world we live in. Do you know what I mean? It just It
1: sure does. So, uh first let me just say the uh the choice of the word doom was probably overwrought. Um, you know, we are, for better or worse, we are coming out of this pandemic one way or another. we but but we seem to be doing it. We could have done it the easy way or the hard way, and we, of course, are choosing to do it the hard way, namely by not being grown ups and saying, "Okay, we're almost there; just hang tight." You know, continue wearing your masks, continue social distancing. We're almost there; hang in there. No, no, we um, we went on a tear. Spring break was a you know a loony show. Uh, Miami had to had to impose a curfew. Uh, people just decided you know, that like, like, you know, a bunch of a nation of 13 year olds, you know, well, of course, a lot of the people who are on spring break are young people, but still, even among el- older people, there's this, this lack of maturity, this lack of, you know, being able to delay gratification is one of the marks of an adult. <laughs> and, um, and yet, you know, we're not able to do that. And so, of course, we're going to get a fourth wave of infections. We're in it now. I don't know how big it's going to be, but we're definitely Mm. having it because just because we're too immature as a country to just wait it out.
0: Yeah. I mean, The Washington Post reporting troubling signs abounded Monday. Daily case counts continue their trend in the wrong direction. Seven day rolling average of infections. Uh rose for the seventh consecutive day, finishing just below sixty-four thousand. I think the the uh the cases are up by twelve percent. And hospitals around the country are reported admitting younger people with more severe diseases. Uh and what they're yeah, saying because- is that new variants are out there. Yes,
1: yes. And apparently the new variants are not uh like the original one, um, hitting almost exclusively older people, not exclusively but you know heavily uh, tilted toward older people. apparently some of these variants are hitting younger people which is as we recall what happened in the 1918 flu which actually was one of the reasons it was so horrific, was that it targeted young people. I mean it, it was uh, very deadly for those who were young and healthy. <sighs>
0: Well, and and also the, the 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 politics of this, which seems to be constant, uh, you know, R- Ron DeSantis appears to be running for president by being as reckless as possible. That, that that this is his thing, and he's in sort of a race for who's the most brazenly reckless. Is it going to be him, or is it going to be Kristi Noem? And and they and, and they and they keep escalating this. I mean. And I want to talk about the vaccine passports in, in, a, in, a, in a moment. But so yesterday, Florida businesses won't be able to screen customers based on whether they've received the vaccines. DeSantis said on Monday, even as he signed a bill designed to shield companies from pandemic related lawsuits. So it, it, it is if there's this ideological, well, not seems like there is an ideological opposition to doing what needs to be done. And this is not a new story, is it? I mean, whether it's the shutdowns, or whether it's the masks, or whether it's the vaccines.
1: Right. And it's, but it's so incoherent. It's so discontinuous with what you and I used to understand to be a conservative worldview, right? I mean, because um, these are individual businesses, this, they're private property. Um, um, certainly it was a it was a tenet of conservative philosophy that on your own property uh, you can you should be free as as far as possible from government intrusion and government dictates telling you how to run your business or how to conduct yourself and uh, here are business owners saying you know for the sake of my customers, my employees, myself, whatever, I want to impose a, a restriction. You know, if you put a, win- a sign in your window of your business and say, no you know, shoes, no shirt, no service, right? Is Ron DeSantis now going to come along and say, you can't do that. Sorry. You know, Ooh. I mean- sorry no
0: no no the 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 craziness of this and i was trying to narrow it down you know you have all of these memes on social media that somehow this is like the nazis demanding your paper or that if you have to have a vaccine passport that's somehow like having a yellow star uh, sewn on your clothes uh do you remember naomi wolf by the way oh yes and that Naomi Wolf, who is one of those those people who were famous for being famous at one time, and has had this spectacular meltdown. We don't need to go back through it, but I mean, she's she's kind of she was an author of a book that had to be withdrawn because the publisher realized that it was basically full of shit. I mean, she was all a, of her know,
1: books are, like are, are yeah, yes, yes, are yes. Exactly.
0: Well, anyway, the she's now become a leading, you know, anti. Uh, what, a, a, anti-vaccine passport spokesman. She was on Fox News, and we have an 11-second soundbite that I think captures where Naomi Wolf and some of the folks on the right are going here.
1: I am not overstating this. I can't say it forcefully enough. This is literally the end of human liberty in the West if this plan unfolds as planned.
0: <laughs> okay, Mona.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. But you, oh, by the way, literally, just, yeah, literally, literally. It's, yes, it's, it's yes, literally. Um, but there's there's something that we should just point out for maybe younger listeners. But Naomi Wolf was a key figure on the left. I mean, she's not from the right wing fever swamps. Okay, in fact, she was um, she was uh, hailed as a as the great new third wave feminist by Gloria Steinem and others. She uh, was an advisor to um, to Al Gore in his 2000 campaign. Famously, uh, there's been dispute about this, but it's reported that she urged him to wear to be an alpha male and to wear earth tones. (laughs) Um, But anyway, yeah, so that's who she is, and um, and so the the crazy, you know, you've talked a lot about this, and and I think when you're in the midst of this kind of, um, sea change in a society, it's, it's awfully hard to get your bearings and really get a handle on what's really going on. And, um, there's a lot of interesting discussion about the role of, of, um, information and and the internet and technology and social media and so on. And, and um and the rewards for being crazy now are substantial. Right? I mean they, right. they incentive they structure. Use, the incentive structure, yes, is such that you do get attention the crazier you are. And um you know for a lot of people that's enough to push them toward the most extreme position leaving aside all the algorithms and all of that that we know about that push people toward extremism but just the attention seeking enough attention seeking alone is enough well
0: uh, and <laughs> <yes, yeah. laughs> well it is the attention seeking is enough i mean naomi wolf actually i'm i'm i'm, I'm trying to remember Uh, her spectacular fall from grace, which was, uh, was, uh, was, was really amazing. I, 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 because I was, I listened to the whole, I think was it, was it a BBC? or Was it a public radio interview? She had written, she had written a book about how back in the 19th century, um, homosexuals used to be uh, executed on a regular basis. And the whole whole book was based on uh, her historical analysis of the number of um, cases of capital punishment um, that had been done. And, um, during the interview, the person's walking her through all this and saying, well, do you know actually that this f- term that you use to say that the person was executed doesn't mean that at all? In fact, there were um, n- almost no one who was executed uh, based on all of this. this. This term actually had this meaning in British law as opposed to what you're saying, and she had no idea. So the entire book was based on this dumb misreading of the law and she was exposed on live radio. So you would think that, okay, that's it. She's done. She's going to be, you know, she's discredited forever, but she's figured Mm -hmm. out a way to be relevant again by going with this hysterical these people are trying to destroy your freedom but what i want to love is that this is literally the end of human liberty in the in in the west if we have vaccine passport so first of all i mean my understanding is the vaccine passport would be used by private businesses private individuals to set their own policies right to assure people that their customers and their employees are safe now until about, as you pointed out, until about like five seconds ago, conservatives supported the rights of private businesses to set their own rules, right? And and they defended private property rights.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and now suddenly it's like, no, only only Nazis would require this kind of a passport. It's
1: it's so beyond stupid. I mean, the the hysteria is just remarkable. I mean, consider that even if the government itself were to impose an obligation to show a vaccine passport right to do various things like fly on an airplane or or you know enter a public building or something right even that would not be the end of civilization the end of our liberties i mean it would be an imposition on some people who made a free choice not to get the vaccine, which was, you know, they're right, but it has some consequences. But furthermore, you know, in all likelihood, this is going to be a temporary measure in any case, because soon the combination of vaccines and herd immunity will make this a small problem. The, the, the virus probably akin, I'm not an epidemiologist, but m- probably akin to the flu, um, that we all always have to deal with, but will not be a world pandemic, you know? And, uh, so anyway, the, um, but you know, as we've seen this kind of end of the world rhetoric is what gets you attention and it's what apparently gets people to open their wallets and send you money. Um, and so, uh, a, you know, a lot of, um, politicians use it. Um, and uh, it doesn't—it doesn't bode well for our for our future as a self governing people. This kind of um, no crazy hysteria. Well, you you
0: you mentioned getting on an airplane. I mean, that's just. Can we just take a deep breath here? That if you get on an airplane, you have to show a lot of different things. I mean, the whole notion that if you had to show a a a you know vaccine passport, that would be the end of liberty as we know it. Excuse me. Try to get on an airplane without showing an ID, a real ID. Yeah. Without without going through TSA screening, and there was a time when we understood that in the face of an emergency or various threats, that we would have to go through those inconveniences. So, I mean, this is the thing. The people who are the most in favor of things like IDs for voting and real IDs, right, for for, for traveling um, are are the ones who are the most upset that you'd have to show this piece of paper. I mean, why is it that voting IDs are absolutely crucial, but a passport vaccine, vaccine passport um, used by private individuals would be, you know, Nazis. Um, do, do they understand that in order to drive a car you have to carry a driver's license? Do they uh, understand that we have social security cards? Do you yeah. under, do they understand that there are many public schools in America where you have to show a proof of vaccination
1: to have your kid go to school? I mean indeed. And that in that boy, is that had an imposition on your liberties? I mean, you know, there you go. Charlie, you make an excellent yeah point and and the one thing that I would just add is that you know we've already been living under this terrible Nazi rule that you might have to put a piece of cloth over your face
0: <laughs> well this is where this is where there's two things that have been lost from let's look up talk about this from a conservative point of view because conservatives are in favor of freedom individual freedom right, um, right. and and people are free. Not to get vaccinated. But as you pointed out, there are consequences for the exercise of that right. One of the consequences might be that you're not allowed to endanger the life and safety of your fellow citizens. But also, you know, the way in which you see people, particularly on social media, talking about, you know, freedom and the masks, it's not freedom, it's this juvenile selfishness. Exactly. And so it's not only do they misunderstand freedom. But the whole concept of caring for your fellow citizen, or having social responsibility, or being patriotic, doing things for the common good—have
1: those become
0: completely now um, just re- re- rejected by elements of of the right?
1: Well, by elements of the right, I elements wouldn't say by the. the right. I no. wouldn't say by the whole right, um, but can you imagine um, how? John F. Kennedy's inaugural address would go down now
0: in yes, this country.
1: Not. <laughs> yeah. You don't I mean, your country yeah, I, a damn thing. Exactly. You know? It's like, give me mine, give me mine, give me mine. And I have no responsibilities. People don't understand the trade-offs. Look, um, here, you want to talk about unfreedom. Okay. So you were saying, yeah, let's just spell it out. Okay. You have the right to refuse to get vaccinated, but there are consequences to that decision that you made with your free will. Okay. The consequence is you're not going to be allowed to go to this restaurant. You're not, may not be allowed to get on an airplane. You may not be allowed to do a number of things that you would like to do. Okay. That's your choice. You are free. Okay. In China, You know, when you are pregnant and you want the baby and they say you have to get an abortion and you say no and they strap you onto a gurney and forcibly abort that child, that's government coercion, okay? There is
0: a (laughs) distinction there, right? There is is a distinction there.
1: But I guess, I mean, you know, why do we wear...
0: This this is actually this is bothering me more and more. Even though it's not a new thing, you know, why do we wear masks? Because we want to protect the vulnerable people in our society from getting sick, right? I mean that we we want, and also, I mean, even if it's virtue signal, it's signaling that we want to be responsible citizens. And being a responsible citizen and understanding that there are responsibilities as well as rights used to be universal among conservatives. I mean, universal. And, you know, even the the hyper libertarian um, wing of the right always would understand well, what was that cliche about the, you know, my freedom, um, you know, my freedom ends where your nose begins or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. There, was always, there was always a limit to it.
1: It does strike me that um, that the rhetoric of the right, again, has changed. It used to be, for example, um, on the subject of guns. Uh, now I am. I've always been a bit of a um, apostate on this issue. I've always been in favor of a certain amount of gun control, which put me at odds with other people on the right. But but I remember that you know thirty years ago the arguments about guns uh, tended to stress and the NRA itself, which by the way is now of course in mm-hmm. in deep trouble. But but anyway, the the and it has become completely corrupt. But. It, the the NRA used to make the argument that look, um, we are for responsible gun ownership. We teach classes in yes. how to be a good, responsible, grown up handling a gun. We urge everyone to be responsible, uh, but we don't think that gun control is the way to go because you know the criminals were, will not take our classes and blah blah blah. Okay, that was that was the argument. But they they implicit was that of course. There are responsibilities that accompany rights, and that part of it—the the responsibility argument—just kind of faded away, and it was more this kind of truculent, you know, come try to come and take it from my cold dead hands kind of rhetoric, you know, and um, and and a lot more kind of um, you know uh, extreme rhetoric about. Potentially using your gun not for self-defense but against an imperial or or a repressive state, um, you started to see a lot more of that kind of talk, and um, and and I think this is a theme that has been percolating for a while, of um, you know just forgetting and and downplaying the responsibilities that come with freedom. And stressing rather um, the the rights and the uh, and the you know sort of um, cussed unwillingness to to be imposed upon for any reason even su- even such a, a basic thing as consideration for your neighbor you yeah. know. Exactly. who might have a an underlying health condition or who just doesn't want to get sick. You know, I mean, it's just uh, it's Well, on the
0: on the gun thing, you you're right. I mean, I I live in a state of course where there are a lot of sportsmen who are very very responsible with their guns, and I think there's a real gap between the ideologues on the guns and the and and many of the real gun owners who really do emphasize safety. Um, as opposed to this sort of performative recklessness that you get from the people who use the guns as a fetish, which we've talked about before. You know the the you know the Lauren Boberts and the and mm-hmm. the Marjorie Taylor Greens or the Lindsey Graham, you know, who use it as like you know this is so how you know m- you know that we're you know tough and that, and that we fight because that's just bizarre. So yeah, Lindsey Graham, you know, is, is explaining why he has to have an AR-15. That if there's a natural disaster and the gangs know where those gangs come from. If they start roaming around South Carolina, they're not going to come to his house because they're going to go, yo, stay away from Lindsay because he yeah. has the biggest gun out there. Does this happen a lot, by the way? I mean, are there roving gangs in South Carolina after after natural disasters that, that you need to fight off with AR-15s? I just kind of wonder because we kind of <laughs> know about the downside of the AR-15, which is designed to kill human beings. Um, I don't know. This is this they're, is that that disconnection.
1: They're constantly fantasizing about a zombie yeah. a- apocalypse. I don't know. Maybe it's it's some sort of unfulfilled wish of theirs. Maybe they've been watching too many science fiction movies. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. Last I checked, it hasn't. We haven't had one of those zombie a- apocalypses in South Carolina.
0: So okay, I should have done my research on this um, before I asked this question, but I've, I've kind of been haunted by this thought. The, the last shooting uh, in. Um, the law shooting in in, Bo- in Boulder, Colorado, there were ten people that were killed. How many people were just wounded?
1: Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Well, there is a lot.
0: Well, I I don't know, and and yeah. the reason I'm thinking of, about it is that when you use certain kinds of guns, people aren't wounded; they're all killed. Oh. I mean, you're you're using a caliber of bullet. Mm. that would i i i saw a discussion yesterday you know somebody said well we need it for we need the you know the the r15 for 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 hunting and they're saying well you know uh, you use certain kinds of ammunition and it's basically going to uh vaporize any animal you know smaller than a bear you just don't mm. really use it you know a a deer hunter is going to use a 22 caliber often um and these other bullets so let's stick with the with the with the coronavirus just for a moment because what's happening right now, this this massive rush to uh, open up the the uh, pushback against the vaccine uh, passport, which by the way, the vaccine passport is really, and you made this point before, it's a transitional point to get us to back to normal. If you want freedom, this is how you get freedom to get back to your life. Right. right? I mean, you have this inconvenience, a very minor inconvenience to get back to freedom. But this whole pushback is really a flashback to what we experienced last year that Deborah Burks is now describing under Donald Trump, where he was downplaying it, you know, and there was this big push to open up and we don't need to do this and became very, very politicized. Um, but I, I'm interested in your thoughts on, on Deborah Burks, who's now coming forward and saying that that uh, that maybe if they had done a better job, if they had mitigated the the pandemic uh, earlier, they might have uh, they might have reduced the death toll substantially. The first one hundred thousand, she said, uh, you can sort of. I mean, you know, okay, we, we were taken by surprise. The other four hundred thousand might have been preventable, and she's bothered by this now.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm glad she's bothered. Um, I don't know if that's the proper, uh, proper word. Look, um,
0: I think haunted he, would be a better word.
1: Haunted would be a better word. Look, um, the, the people, people seem to have a lot of trouble teasing apart these sorts of things. You know, they, they, polls consistently showed, um, that that voters didn't blame Donald Trump for his handling of the pandemic, uh, which is just kind of stunning because he didn't just bungle it. Right. He, he, he was, he was a, an accelerant to the worst possible response. That is, you know, politicizing it, downplaying it to the point, you know, lying about it, um, encouraging people to do the worst kinds of behaviors, um, and, you know, inhibiting our government's capacity to respond because he didn't want testing, which would therefore reflect badly on him when the numbers came in. I mean, there were just so many things. Um, and yet, voters didn't vo- voters didn't hold him accountable. All right. Now, as as for um, how you evaluate people like Fauci and um, and Burks, you know, th- there's the old argument: well, certain you know competent people had to be around the president in order to keep him from doing worse things and to keep the bus you know running. Yeah. Well. I I I have trouble with that argument um, because I think there are moments where, um, and and there have been so many where, if a critical mass of people had resigned in in protest, um, they and and ex- explained it, they might have done far more good. When when competent people, when seemingly competent people. Um, uh, you know, block and tackle for the president when they appear with him and give him legitimacy. A lot of you know viewers say, "Well, you know, look, he's got these experts, and they seem okay with him." And and she, of course, took it to another level. I mean, Fauci, Fauci would you know just do the bare minimum to be civil and and uh, and not get on on Trump's bad side while trying his best to tell the truth. Um, but she went much further. She really, she went out there and said, "Oh, you know, he he understands the science, and he's very attentive to all of the uh, research, and really has a grasp of these matters, and so on." She really didn't need to do that, and she she lost her bearings, um, I think, and uh, and she, and and that that was disgraceful. Uh, and-
0: it, it, it was disgraceful and and i I do think this whole question of you know the justifications for collaboration and and there's there's a whole range in some cases, I think it may have been a good thing I mean, I think we were probably were better off having you know James mattis in his secretary of defense for as long as we did um there were you know others that that you know I mean that didn't do any harm. But but if you're if you're going to write a study of the downsides of collaboration, Deborah Burks really becomes kind of a patient zero because she did go too far. She did do that north korean style praise um j v l has a great newsletter yesterday about the disgrace of uh, of Deborah Burks. She was also part of the effort uh to downplay the significance of this throughout in, in some uh, throughout the pandemic in order to, i think to. Uh, you know, constantly repair her relationship. Uh, you, you had this with Robert Redfield from uh, the, the CDC, uh, Secretary Azar. A lot of these guys uh, were very, very concerned uh, to, you know, stay on Donald Trump's good side, <laughs> even though they knew, even though they knew that what they were doing might be lethal, that it might lead to human you know, the, the, the death of human beings. And for exactly. her now, for her now to come back and to try to sort of rewrite the history that I was this person, um, I think really does a ring hollow, you know, and, and, and her use of the word, this bothers me, she should be haunted by it. And quite frankly, um, you know, I, you know, the, the, the main responsibility, Rest with donald trump there 's no question about that, but these enablers and these were enablers these were the people who were the front people, and these were the people who were the architects we don 't know whether, if they would have stood up and blown the whistle, it would have made a difference, but at some point that 's what you have to do, otherwise you 're going to be remembered the way she 's going to be remembered
1: well i you know I hope you 're right about the way she 's going to be remembered, and that this, this won 't work let me just let me just add one other little footnote to her story because as you know, there did come points with Fauci where he felt the need to to be plain spoken and got on Trump's bad side. And Trump began to, uh, in fact, Trump had his minions put out all of these, you know, press releases about how Fauci had been wrong and so on and so forth. He went to war with Fauci at one point and. Um, He never did that with Burks, never. And so she is now claiming, based on only her own recounting, that she had an uncomfortable phone call with him and that he was mean to her on the phone or some such thing. And yet she was very vague about the nature of this phone call and whether anybody else knew about it and so on. And um, so I think she's trying again, you know, maybe trying to pull a fast one here and claim that, you know, she was actually not on his good side the whole time when it certainly appeared from the outside. And, And he's not shy, let's face it, about going after people that he perceives to be in the smallest way critical of him.
0: Yeah, he he released this word salad statement yesterday I, I, I Oh, well I, I now was, he has. I, yeah. I, I was I was Trump was I was tempted to uh to do a you know an impressionistic reading of it, but I think that that would be too much to ask for the listeners. But this is what the one paragraph uh, Trump writes, or or somebody writes for Trump, based on the the language here, based on the interviews. I felt it was time to speak up about Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burke's two self promoters. That's hilarious. Mm. Trying to reinvent history. That's also hilarious. To cover yeah. for their bad instincts and faulty recommendations. Also hilarious. Which I fortunately almost always overturned. They had bad policy decisions that would have left our country open to China and others, close to reopening our economy and years away from an approved vaccine, putting millions of lives at risk. Um, so he's pushing back and he's dumping on them how terrible Charlie. they were, how dumb they were. Yeah. Can, they I, were, can,
1: can yeah. we, can, you know, if there is one thing that I wish we could, um, we could, enact into law as a consequence of the Trump experience, it would be forcing every voter to sign a statement agreeing that they will not vote for anyone for president that they would not have as the president of their homeowners association. Oh my gosh. You know, because you know, he is such a moron and he's such, he's such a malevolent figure. And yet, you know, okay. One other trip down memory lane. Many many moons ago, you had um, you had AB Stoddard, the great AB Stoddard, mm-hmm. on your on your mm-hmm. podcast, and you were talking about a figure. I can't remember who it was. It might have been the My Pillow guy. I don't know who it was, but but AB said this person is either certifiably nuts or is running for something. <laughs> and I thought, well, there you go. Because in American life, right, if you're certifiably nuts, the only wor- realm in which you can have a good shot at succeeding is in elective office. Um,
0: no, that's and- literally true. There's no cor- corporation or business in America <laughs> that would hire Donald Trump as as its CEO, and you and you, or even put them on the board of directors. And you think about some of the people that Trump surrounded himself with. Who would hire them? What right. homeowners association would hire them? What nonprofit organization would hire? It's really the only care, you know, it, it is like a carve-out in politics where people would say, I wouldn't trust that guy um, with my life, my money, my right. wife, or my children, but right. I'm gonna trust him with the nuclear codes and the United and the fate of the country.
1: <laughs> That's it. Right. I mean it is just it's one of I mean I think people uh, historians will puzzle about this uh, for many years assuming that the country survives enough to have historians interested.
0: So mm-hmm. let's talk about populism for a moment because you, I know you have some thoughts about all of this that that you no know, once again we're seeing the the, the veneer of populism around m- much of this and yet the people who they they claim to be looking out for are the ones who almost invariably are the ones who end up getting screwed.
1: That's it. And you know, I was thinking about the, I, I I saw a, a quote from Tim Pawlenty, who I think was what was he, he was governor of Minnesota, right? Yeah, your neighboring state. Yeah. Um, and um, and I always thought he was a you know really good sort of solid guy, and yeah. um, and. Uh, kind of ahead of the curve on some of the issues that he felt the Republican party should address itself to and so forth. He, uh, But anyway, he was talking about the future of the party and he was saying something along the lines of, you know, well, it needs to be populist, you know, of course going forward. And I was thinking, you know, this, this term, you know, is, is, um, is one that people like, it's, that's, that's the name. But if you, if you, if you look around at history it is always, I mean, I would i would defy people to come up with an example of a populist figure who didn't turn out to be a scam, right? It is always a scam. That is somebody like Hugo Chavez, right, in, in Venezuela, who, who was a big populist and he was for the people and he was going to screw the elites um, and he got big, you know, electoral victories. And of course, sometimes he... He uh, rigged the following elections. But in any event, he um, he was popular uh, and he was a populist. And uh, in Venezuela, the people who paid the price for supporting a populist were not the elites. Although, you know, things got worse for everyone, but the elites are basically okay. They could get out of the country. They were shielded by their wealth. It was the poor and the middle class that really paid the ter- most terrible price. If you look at what's happening in Brazil with Bolsonaro, another big populist, you know, Brazil has one of the worst COVID response rates in the world. One of the, one of the, uh, worst vaccination rates, all, all of those measures. Um, you know, it's, it's inevitably you know and it goes of course all the way back in human history you can go back to the romans you know where the populists you know come to power by telling the people that they're going to screw the elites on their behalf and of course they just become the new elite and they screw the ordinary guy and um and it's just it's just kind of a um I, I think th- th- that's what struck me is that the term populist should, should have shame associated with it. It should be an ignominious word. And for people, good people like Palenty to say, yeah, yeah, we need to be populist. Like, no, no, we don't. We need to be Democrats, small D. We need to be Republicans, small R. We need to be, uh, we need to have integrity. We need to be interested in the welfare of all our fellow citizens. Um, but uh, but populism has a really nasty track record.
0: I wonder what 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 Pawlenty actually means. I mean, sometimes these words get so mushy. Maybe he did, maybe he was just uh, saying that Republicans need to be popular by maybe. getting yeah. by by actually having policies that people would vote for, as opposed to pursuing policies that make
1: it harder to vote. I who knows? Yeah, worries. yeah, yeah. Rick, no, that, that could well be. Uh, I mean, every, no disrespect to uh, Pawlenty since no, I this was just a clip that I saw. Say, but the
0: cognitive dissonance of of listening to Republicans who will say, "Well, we can't be the party of you know the country club elite anymore," except while Donald Trump literally lives in a country club. <laughs> well, yeah, Trump, like a man literally owns country clubs, lives in country clubs. He is the definition of a country club <laughs> Republican. Well, no, and, exactly. And, and the cognitive dissonance of of looking at Donald Trump and saying, Yes, there's a manly man and there's a man of the people. You <laughs> really what? <laughs> no, I, I
1: I completely agree. But 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 at the same time, you know, you also I mean, not to be too um maudlin about this or or, or 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 morbid about it, but honestly, you know, <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of people who probably voted for Donald Trump, thinking that they were going to get a Tribune of the People, are dead because of his poor handling of a virus that you know hurt a lot of people in 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 his in his uh, voting uh, uh, cohort. So that's true. So you 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 you
0: you you mentioned Minnesota politics. Now Minnesota politics is, uh, is is interesting to me because they're next door and because they're weirder than we are here in Wisconsin. Or, or <laughs> We're just have, just right? saying something. I, I remember. Remember, this is a state that actually elected Jesse the Body Ventura, yes. as, as governor. Um, you know, put uh, put a comedian in the United States Senate, and and the next governor, of course, is going to be the My Pillow guy, oh.
1: who's hey, completely did they,
0: normal. Do mm-hmm. they
1: still have the? Um farmer labor party and yeah Demo- the D-
0: dfl democratic farmer labor party
1: yeah oh,
0: okay. so, so i don't know but the my pillow um, guy the, okay. fact that, the fact that my pillow guy is still actually out there and has people who would put him on the air when he'd be a perfect example of somebody he's either certifiably insane or running for something
1: exactly right? i mean
0: mr my pillow guy who's now saying that he's so excited that dominion dominion voting systems is suing him that he says that by august uh, because of his uh, countersuit, or whether he, it's going to be his discovery by August, Donald Trump will be back
1: in power. Okay. <laughs> yes, I saw that. Yep. Um, so so again, that seems completely rational and normal. And I, yeah, the Republican Party is probably going to nominate him. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, the way, so don't you wish Dominion could control? You know, could could uh, you know just sue every single Republican who um, who uh, supported Donald Trump lies about the election all these years Uh, well for the past for the past uh five months or however long it's been
0: absolutely i mean it's going to come down to it that 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 if there's going to be accountability for uh the the big lie it's going to come from you know dominion voting systems and its lawsuit because apparently there's going to be no political accountability for all of these lies okay since we've been beating up on republicans can we just talk about uh can we talk about andrew cuomo for a minute sure latest story about it. you want to talk about a, a guy you know l- the, the the elites and why people hate politics uh the the latest story is and again, this is so New York politics. It sounds just so Cuomo that he basically prioritized taking care of his family and friends and getting them, you know, the COVID tests. And they would have state patrol officers, you know, uh, to, you know, take the tests and, and get them expedited tests, and and this would include his brother Chris Cuomo. And but you know, I mean, th- this is again, the guy stands up there as the Tribune of the people. But he's taking care of the inner circle, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he is. And, uh, you know, it's – I I have to say that – even back in the middle of this I mean I guess I I because I am not a partisan and no longer have a party affiliation I can be sort of gimlet-eyed about all of them <laughs> but uh, but I remember CNN doing these you know really sort of in jokey things with Chris Cuomo and Mar- and uh, and and Andrew Cuomo teasing each other on the air and that was all very you know great because you had the great governor and the great you know, uh, broadcaster. And I just thought this is over the line. CNN should be embarrassed. Um, it's, uh, it's not appropriate. I mean, you know, if they, if they were to uphold good standards that, you know, Cuomo, the, 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 uh, Chris Cuomo would have had to stay a million miles away from his brother while on the air. Other people would have done that, you know, interview or whatever. Um, yeah, it was all very cozy and incestuous and bad. And, um, and you know Cuomo has has had the reputation for years for corruption by the way as as our friend and colleague Bill Crystal pointed out you know New York big, important state has one of the most, you know, it's extremely corrupt. It's almost like Illinois, you know, it's pretty bad. It is, um, it's it's and,
0: amazing the number of governors and attorney generals that have resigned yeah, in scandals and everything. Exactly.
1: Remember Elliot Spitzer? I mean, that wasn't I even do. that long ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, so it's, it's pretty, uh, it's a pretty corrupt place. And, um, and there were, you know, there were stories. And I guess people on the right might say with at least some justification that, that uh, that in the midst of all of this you know um, you know uh, enthusiasm about about Cuomo as the anti-trump last year um, you know people forgot that there was a, uh, a commission that that Cuomo dissolved that was supposed to look into corruption when it got too close to him um, you know these are the sorts of things that uh, you know people, they would do well not to lose their heads over... Uh, yeah,
0: fawn not, not on the mighty. Best yeah, advice exactly, i ever heard. exactly. Exactly. Okay. So let me ask you a really awkward question. Uh-oh. How worried, how freaked out should we be about what might come from the murder trial of Derek Chauvin? <sighs> and the reason I'm asking that is, to me, you know, a, a reasonable person on the outside whether you're white or black, that image of the murder of George, the the killing of George Floyd is such an indelible image. There's just no justification. If if if, the, if this officer is acquitted or he gets off with a wrist slap, what is, what's what's going to happen?
1: Yeah, I, I well, okay, so that's horrifying to contemplate. I know, but here's I know. here's well, I, I have a couple of reasons for. Mild optimism. One is that the judge in the case has allowed in three, um, three counts so that, uh, the jury doesn't have to go all the way to second degree murder. If it's uncomfortable with that, for any reason, it has lesser charges that are also pretty, you know, pretty good, uh, in there. So that's at least some, uh, reassurance that he won't get off. Um, but but can I just say a word about some of the things I've been seeing on conservative media about this? <laughs>
0: yes, because please. Because it's
1: so disgusting. I mean, people say, "Oh, you know, he, here's the truth. He had fentanyl in his system and he had other drugs." And the fact is, you know, "Oh, so that means I mean, people police have experience with with uh drug uh, addled uh, people that they come in contact with all the time, right? They know that some of the people that they're arresting might have drugs in their system. And that means they should know that the person might be, you know, more susceptible to say having a heart attack or asphyxiation or whatever when you when you put your knee on their neck for nine minutes. I mean, the, the fact that they're using this as a way to, to uh, you know, exonerate the officers just, just mind-blowing. And apparently, I'll tell you one other thing that I heard when I was looking into this a little bit. Chauvin, on a previous occasion, uh, when he was arresting somebody, um, put him on his side, put the victim on their side rather than on his stomach in order to help him breathe. And he was credited with saving the guy's life by that move, so the prosecution is going to point out that he knew there were ways of preserving the airway right and uh, and and knew there was an, another alternative and he didn't use it in this case anyway that's just but but I just find the um, the rush or the eagerness to say that that it was it was George Floyd's own fault you know he was he he had drugs in his system it wasn't Anything about the well, I mean, there, <laughs>
0: there is there is a strain out there of, of people who find a way to justify uh, all of these killings of of black uh, teenagers and, and and men Ben Shapiro uh, or or minimize them that that is disturbing. it is it is this this attempt to say that that no there's there's no problem. Look I, I again, it's not conservative. To not want to have justice, and it's certainly not conservative to watch a a private citizen be treated with this kind of brutality by the state. you put this in any other context, and they 'd be outraged about it. but when it comes to cops and black men this this sort of attempt to say that the, there's no legitimacy to the black lives matter movement is uh it's 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 really become look it, it's not new. But it feels like it's escalating that that you have the Tucker Carlson's and the Ben Shapiro's who have become so now invested in racism is not really a thing. It's we are not we don't have a racist problem. We don't need to confront this. Um, This is only something that social justice warriors and people on the left care about. Um, This is all exaggerated. And we talk about black people who commit crimes more. I mean, they really
1: They really do that. Yeah. yeah. No, they're they're into that. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree, and, uh, and I don't want to do or say anything that will give aid and comfort to that kind of dishonest and, and really malevolent um, interpretation of events. On the other hand, I do have to say that um, there are certain, certain things that I think are, are valid to point out, and one of them is that um, the response to um, the anti-Asian uh, violence that happened in Atlanta – where there was a shooting where this guy, you know, killed six Asian women and uh, maybe two other people as well. Um, and, and everybody rushed to say that this was because of white supremacy. Now, of course, white supremacy is a real thing. Uh, you know, it, it does, it, it is the worst and, it, you know, and, and causes a, a terrible suffering and there, you know, the, the, the Dylan roof, you know, and so on and so forth. So yeah, real thing. Don't want to deny that, but, um, there was a huge rush to uh, declare that to be a case of, of anti-Asian bias, and it was. But, but the but to to shoehorn all of the violence, the uptick in violence against Asians that we have seen in the past year during the pandemic, and say that's all white supremacy, I think was overdone because the violence against Asians in America, if you look into it, has been done by all races. I mean. African Americans have attacked Asians. Whites have attacked Asians. Others, Hispanics. So it's it's not correct to say that it's purely a matter of um, of white supremacy. There have been other you know other people have also been victimizing Asians in the past year. With the advent of coronavirus and Trump's horrible rhetoric about, you know, the China virus and so on and so forth, so yeah,
0: yeah, no, you're, you're right. It's not just white, but but the anti-Asian violence is a is is a real thing. And this it is. is a new, there's a new video out in New York of uh, of a 65 year old Asian woman who's knocked down. She's leaving a store, and somebody says, "You don't belong here," knocks her down, kicks her in the head twice, and the security guard inside the store I don't know if you've seen this video just watches, doesn't do anything and just casually closes the door. Doesn't do ah. anything at all. I mean it's it's really ah. it it's one of those videos that ought to shock the conscience of the nation. Okay, so while you and I have been talking Mona, uh, Axios came out with a story that Representative Matt Gates has privately told confidants he is seriously considering not seeking re-election and possibly leaving Congress early for wait for it, a job at Newsmax. Ah. Yeah, this,
1: <laughs> this. That is, is the, the greatest news. <laughs>
0: but this, this is the new paradigm that people go. Absolutely, I, I can be a lawmaker, or I can be a right wing pundit. And basically, since being a lawmaker doesn't actually mean making any laws or doing any legislating, I'm just a pundit anyway. Why not just go right? You know, why not just inject it straight in? You know, let's just take the interview. Yeah. Just, you know, so, Matt Gates, you would. It wasn't that long ago that people would not have necessarily thought that um, that a sitting congressman in a relatively safe district would think it was a promotion to go to work at Newsmax. But here we are. This is 2021. Here we them. are.
1: I, I remember when Jason, I met Jason Chaffetz, you know, many, you know, a while back. And here's this young, tall, handsome, you know, congressman from, where is he from? He's from somewhere in the Midwest where you are, right? No, wasn't he like um, Utah? He was Utah. Or maybe it's was Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Utah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, seemed bright and interesting. And I thought, you know, up and comer in the Republican Party. Nope. He left to become a Fox News commentator. You know, that's the path of... Uh, the or- well, you know, well, it, well, it is,
0: and uh, which uh, Sean Duffy who was the congressman from from Wisconsin, who's married to Rachel Campos Duffy. He quit in the middle of his term. Now he had some family issues, um, but he's now a Fox News contributor as well. And the and the Madison Cawthorns of the world, you can just tell. I mean, they go to Congress, and you know, being in Congress is not as important as being you know you know being famous, getting the clicks, uh, being a social media yeah. star. So you know that he's eventually going to go. And be a talking head somewhere as as well. But we we you know we, at the beginning of the podcast we talked about the weird incentive structure to be crazier and more extreme. Well, this is part yeah. of it and this is part of it, but
1: well, it is. And, and even though I jokingly said, this is good news and meaning at least that Gates be out of Congress. Right. Um, it's not good news because he will be injecting poison and lies uh, into the bloodstream of, uh, of conservatism Inc, which is the true root of many of our worst problems as a country.
0: I'm willing to make the trade off though. <laughs> I, because I I, I figure that's happening on Newsmax anyway. And yeah. to have a guy like Matt Gates out of Congress is let's just say it's an upgrade for the body, probably, although given some of the, you know, the people coming out of the woodwork running for offices, that's not necessarily guaranteed. It's not You're it, absolutely it, it,
1: right. Uh-huh. There, there, there's
0: always somebody worse waiting in the wings. So with that, Mona Charon, thank you so much for joining me. And again, make sure you check out Mona's podcast. It Come, uh, comes out every Friday, Beg to Differ. Who's your guest this week? Do you know yet? Brett Stevens. Really? That yeah. should be interesting. You know, <laughs> is Brett still hanging on over there at the New York Times? So well, apparently, um, Yep. <laughs> And thank you all for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow and we'll do this all over again.